everyone. Thanks for joining us back at The Intersection, a podcast that brings you candid conversations with members of our community and leaders in our industry. Please note that nothing in the presentation is a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. Additionally, please keep in mind that past results are not an indicator or guarantee of future performance. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome. I'm Leslie Wojcik, Head of Global Communications at SDI. Today, we're podcasting in honor of a very special milestone, the 40th anniversary of our public listing on NASDAQ. The leaders at SDI made a really bold decision to move forward with an initial public offering on March 25, 1981, as experts warned of a pending stock market crash. We have some very special guests with us today to talk about that day in 1981. Gentlemen, welcome. I would love if if each of you could briefly introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about your role or or relationship with FBI. Hi, I'm Al West. I'm chairman and CEO of SEI Investments. And I have been since uh, uh, 1968. Um, And I certainly was this way when we went public at 81. I've never had a promotion as long as I've been at the company. Well, I see you've got a pretty important job, Al. Hi, uh, everyone. Uh, my name is Carmen Romeo, and I joined the company in 1977 after uh, spending about nine years with Arthur Anderson, a company, a CPA firm. And uh, I've been with the company since that, that time. Uh, I retired uh, as, uh, 15 or 16 years ago, but at that time I was the uh, chief financial officer of the company uh, had a lot to do with taking the company public. And I'm still a member of the board of directors of SEI. I'm Bill Doran. I am a board member. I first ran across SEI at 1969 or 70. Uh, I was a young associate lawyer at Morgan Lewis. I wanted some corporate work, and they assigned me to SEI. So I've been around since almost the inception. I've watched Al, who never got a promotion, never got an office either. But uh, it's been a pretty exciting trip to watch. And I was on the board from about 72 to about the time Carmen joined, and we went through a buyout of one big shareholder. He was replaced by this venture capital group, and less than two years later, SEI went public and set the stage really to buy out the venture capital group. Uh, I was there when uh, Bill joined uh, SEI. I was I was there a little before that. Um, Morgan Lewis uh, uh, incorporated us in 1968, and uh, at that time they assigned a young man to uh, help our company, and he was very particular and very great at detail. And, but he never saw the big picture. So we went back, I went back to the, the partner at, at uh, Morgan Lewis and says, yeah, I've got to, you've got to give me somebody else. I'm, I'm trying to, <clears throat> he's, he's trying to clean our act up 
and I'm trying to survive. This you can't do them both. And so uh, they gave me Bill, and Bill's been a member of SEI and that entire time from about 70 on. Mr. Clotter. Uh, a mini version of Bill's story. Uh, as a first-year associate of Morgan Lewis, I was assigned to work on the capital structuring and essentially what was back then a venture capital financing of SEI. Two years later, I was as a third-year associate working on the IPO and involved directly and indirectly with SEI ever since. Such a distinguished group, and we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. So let's jump in. Recently, CEO Whitney Wolf heard to Bumble Public on NASDAQ after launching the dating app in 2014. You know, typically companies often create disruption in their industries or markets before going public. How do you know when the time is right to take a company public? As I recall, you know, we financial, from a financial perspective, we really didn't have to go public. We, we did have a, a, about a $10 million line of credit, and I think we perhaps used a couple of million of it to buy computers. But the company was generating a significant amount of cash flow for its size. Um, and I guess the impetus behind going public was to take out uh, our venture capital backers, uh, the Sprout Group, Correct. to a certain degree, not, not entirely. Carl, I might mention that um, yeah, we didn't we didn't have to go, but we had a venture capitalist uh, that owned a, a decent share of our company, and the 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 venture capitalist has to get out and repay its its investors at some point. And when they get out, there's two ways to do it: sell the company, all of it, or uh, go public. And we wanted to go public. We didn't want to sell the company. From almost the very beginning, financially, we've always been an extraordinarily solid company, primarily because of the of the business model that uh, was created, which is all about recurring revenue, which is still the model that we use today that provides us with a significant amount of sustainability, plus the ability to, to reinvest into new things. So for the last 40 years, we've been doing the same kind of uh, reinvesting and looking at the longer term as opposed to the uh, short run. So can, can you tell us why you chose NASDAQ? I think it was less expensive. And it was also more of a big company exchange. Companies who had millions of investors. NASDAQ was for small company I just I thought Carmen you know I, better. I, I don't think I don't think we we met the criteria to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange right and the only and, and the other exchange was the American Stock Exchange that time yeah. which was not as uh, as prestigious as uh, NASDAQ so it wasn't a question of why we chose NASDAQ it's just how companies that went the the public the IPO group uh, went public they may use NASDAQ as the, as the uh, listing organization. Yeah, I, I, I think back then, Apple had just gone public in December, and that gave a real creditness. 
creditworthiness to the uh, NASDAQ exchange because they listed on that rather than going to the New York exchange. And I think Bill's right. And uh, Carmen, the uh, New York Stock Exchange listing rules were more demanding as far as yeah, we would have uh, financial capacity. Well, uh, we talked to, uh, at, when we did have uh, the credentials that you needed for the ex uh, New York exchange, they, they wouldn't give us SEI. They were saving it for Siemens, uh, a German company. And um, so if they wouldn't give us SEI, we'd say, thank you very much. And we've been on NASDAQ since. Did you recognize, you know, NASDAQ's home to a lot of growth and tech companies. Did you recognize that 40 years ago? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it, you know, looking well, I, at the I, I, might, I might just add, I might just add something less to that. Um, one of the, the underwriters in this, uh, the two lead underwriters were Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jenneret, and Alex Brown, both of which are no longer in existence. But Alex Brown had a particular expertise in uh, technology companies. So it was important for us to use Alex Brown because their imprimatur gave us more credibility as we were going public. So DLJ was involved because they were part, or Sprout was part of the, the DLJ family. But Alex Brown gave us that credibility that we were a, a good firm and uh, we were in a technology information processing business. So when you think back to March 25th, 1981, what was, what was the energy like leading up? I mean, I'm sure you kept Bill and Jeff really busy with a lot of paperwork and whatnot, but what was the energy like? Were you pr proud? Were you excited? Were you nervous? Well, we were uh, somewhat scared only because somebody had come out and tanked the market. Granville, Joe Granville, and he he tanked the market um, by recommending that all of his his uh, letter uh, clients, and uh, that that killed the market for about a year and a half. And he did it right before we went public, or right on the day we were at public. Jeff, which one was it? This was on January sixth, warning the market of a twenty five percent slump. Yeah, so the, the uh, market environment was not very good for uh, new companies like SEI. But um, we forged on and uh, ended up having a very good opening of the, of the company uh, on, the public, on the stock market. And where did it take place? You know, today you have all those big bang kind of celebratory confetti blowing everywhere. I remember taking a subway from New York City to exchange place in uh, New Jersey to pass the jumbo certificate over for the check so that you avoid the New York stock transfer tax on the initial offering. That's why it's that called an exchange place. place. Carmen, you did that. I did that, yes. And uh, you, you and Jeff, I didn't, I didn't make it. We were certainly happy and um, we had a dinner for everybody involved in the in the offering, and it was it was a celebratory uh, dinner for sure, and we had some gag gifts given up around. One was a, a gun, that was a John Bales always accused us of of uh, gun, gun jumping, 
And um, and then there was another that had a clock. And so that so we put that in in my uh, my carry-on suitcase, and uh, we went out celebrating. And um, when we got back to the hotel, my uh, bag was gone. There was nowhere there. We had checked it with the, the bell captain. And long story short, we were at the wrong hotel. There were two regencies next door to each other, and we and we came, and we pulled up in the taxi and gave out, gave them my bag and told them uh, what my room was. And so, well, that was for the other hotel. So we didn't figure this out until, you know, until it was too late for me to make the exchange plates. But it was funny because we thought what's happened is they they uh, saw the gun, the clock was ticking. <laughs> and so they're going to open this thing up and say, you know, alarms will go off and they'll empty the hotel. And we were really worried what we were going to do. But it turned out it was sitting in the luggage rack of uh, the other hotel. It's a fun dinner. So when you're looking at it today, we're one of about 100 remaining companies that were listed in 1981 on NASDAQ. What would you say is the key to staying power? One of the reasons why investors fell in love with SEI back in 81 and to this day is the, the business model that we adhere to, which is recurring revenue. And that long-term recurring re revenue gives us the ability to, to have long-term staying power, that is sustainability, plus it gives us the ability to continually make uh, investments in the business. So I, I think those are the two key attributes that we exhibit. And I, and I guess if you wanted to add a third, you know, we, we have back then and to this day, we have products that uh, and services that make us unique. And uh, we have this orientation of trying to meet customer needs. And that goes a long way to, to reinforcing the, the recurring revenue of our business. You know, it was interesting, if you go back to the 81 public offering, which was a really huge event that everybody was focused on, the very next board meeting was when we first talked about starting money market funds. And, of course, if you follow the, the history here, that led to a pretty significant asset management business. So I, I think the company's around both because great financial management focus on cash flow, but also constant innovation that keeps fresh products, fresh services, new markets. And it's like that's a must if you want to be around this long. Yeah, we feel during the last uh, uh, 50 plus years that we've had about five or six different companies that we've morphed into businesses. 
usually one after another. And uh, it, it does give you staying power uh, if, you, if you can stay up with them. And when that we have done it, that's what we've done, stayed up with our markets. What are the benefits of being publicly listed? I'll give you two. You know, the beauty of being public is people who are investors know what the stock's priced at and what it's worth. I mean, there's sort of a market out there fixing values. You don't have that going private. The other, I think the big benefit to SCI was we started an employee stock option plan that had with Carmen Al, you know, became a cornerstone of compensation. And you can't really run that easily with a private company. You can do it, but it's, again, it's not liquid and it's uh, hard to get the values correct. Yeah, certainly, you know, from an employee standpoint, it's equity. But, you know, equity in the company that you're working for. Um, you all are shareholders, and you certainly had lots of opportunities to cash out. Why, why do you continue to invest? Why do you hold on to your shares? Well, we believe in what we're doing. And so we believe that we're doing the thing that's going to make us successful. Um, if you look at our entire track record all the way going back, Two eighty one. So if you you look where the market is judged, and we are, um, we have we have uh, uh, provided a very 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 good returns to uh, our shareholders uh, every year, or every 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 ten years. How many times a day do you guys check the stock price? Zippity doo dah. Once. Once a day. Yeah, just just to look. That's all. I don't do anything. I, I, I mean, I, I check it as well. But you know, all businesses are don't go up in a straight line. You know, there's peaks and valleys, and, and we had our share, uh, just like a lot of other companies. But um, I guess if you have faith in in the business and in the people that are running these business units. Uh, you could look beyond those valleys. And the other reason why is that we have had, I guess since 1987, I believe that's what it was, a very aggressive stock buyback program because I, we have faith in the long run that this company will be around uh, and will significantly increase in value. But well, I have always thought part of it because all of us hold a lot of shares. But a lot of the reason is compared to investing that money somewhere else, you know this company, if you work for SEI, you're going to know it better than you'll ever know some other equity investment. So there's lots of reasons to just stick with some company you really know and know how it works and know 
hopefully where it's headed. So if you guys had to pick one moment in the last 40 years that was either your most proud or most fun with SEI, what would it be? One of the things that we were that we would talk about, and I think we mentioned this earlier, is that when we first got into the mutual fund business, we started an institutional money market fund for our, our bank trust department clients. And when we started that fund, we had $180 million investment into money market funds that first day from our clients. So that was kind of important. But was, what was more important was that we had sort of changed the technology or adapted the technology to allow that, that sweeping function to occur into our mutual funds. So it was a very innovative kind of product offering that clients were looking for, and it made it easier for them to invest their, their short-term cash. But $180 million was a record for day one of any mutual fund in the country, whether it be a cash fund or equity fund or bond fund. So that was pretty cool, I think. Yep. I'll tell you, one of the ones to me that was one, you're looking for a proud moment during the financial crisis when money markets were breaking the buck, I think Federated did, and we had the issue when we had invested in the CIVs in our money market fund, and we were in danger of breaking the buck. And the only way to avoid it was for SEI to step up and put its capital behind the money market funds to the tune of, I don't remember now, 300 million, was it? 300 million. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And at a time when SEI could have absolutely walked away and said, we're going to follow federated routes. People invested in the money market fund. They knew the risk <clears throat> of breaking the buck. It's a difficult financial environment. We can walk away and let them take the hit. SEI didn't. They stepped up and took care of the clients' problems, which is to harken back to what Bill and Al were saying at the beginning. That is what SEI has done over the years. It's found success in solving clients' problems. And that was an example of doing it at a tough time. Remember the stock was falling down to nine at that point in time? Yes, I yes. did. Remember it very well. Eighteen eighty seven. That would be that would be a proud moment. This was an incredible opportunity to hear your stories today, the emotions, the considerations, everything that went into this business milestone forty years ago. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, and we're really looking forward to the next four decades and beyond. Thanks so much for joining us today. Stay tuned for more conversations with members of our community. Until next time, stay well. And of course, we hope you'll meet us back at the intersection soon.